Purse here, and today's topic of conversation is going to be how to be a good mental health ally. Um, and I think this topic can be important to people with mental health issues and people without mental health issues um, because sometimes it's easy to empathize with ourselves because we are ourselves, but it's difficult to empathize with others. And so many different disorders come with different things. So someone who might just have, you know, generalized anxiety or clinical depression may not know what it's like to experience life as someone with a personality disorder. You know, you might feel sad all the time, you might feel numb all the time, but you don't know what it's like to feel um, completely attached and feel like you're going to die if someone leaves you your life or vice versa, you know? And um, I say this because I have a mental illness and I was recently pre-diagnosed, I like to say, with this mental illness. Um, I have multiple mental illness or multiple diagnoses and um, I have borderline personality disorder. If you hear that thunder, it's going to start to rain, but hopefully it just has its ambient noise and not distracting noise to where I'd have to re-edit this. But anyway... Um, I have borderline personality, and with that, I have depression and anxiety. Um, but I have, ex and I've had this probably all my life. Um, but there were times in my youth, like even despite me feeling the way that I feel and it being a mental illness in itself, people have other mental illnesses that I've encountered that I don't understand at all. And I've been a bad ally, which is one thing that I'm going to talk about. So I want to talk about how I was a bad ally, how I, the, one specific situation that made me realize that I was a bad ally um, and just general things you can do to be a good ally or things that you do that makes you just not so good of an ally and then I'll end off with good things to do that will make you a great mental health ally and advocate and then I'll just leave you with my question as usual. So let's get right in. My experience being a bad ally. Um, it's kind of like when you're a bully and you look back on your life and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that to people. I can't believe I did that to people. Um, now that I've experienced irrational impulses and irrational thoughts and irrational reactions to very common and rational situations, I feel so bad at the people I've hurt. Um, unfortunately, I can't say sorry because the majority of those people I don't talk to anymore. Um, but always, all my life, I was always one of those people because I have BPD and I have anxiety, but it's just a general... I get panic attacks very frequently when I'm over stressed, but it's not, I don't have anxiety to any situation, I don't have social anxiety, you know, I don't have testing anxiety, I don't have debilitating anxiety, I have depression that affects every part of my life, but I've learned to function with it, and then borderline, my borderline tendencies show up when I have, with my relationships with people, and generally when my relationships with people start to fail, but because I've had conflicting, unstable, tumultuous relationships ever since I was younger, I've also kind of learned how to navigate my own tendencies. So I basically just put a lot of focus into school and work and networking and less focus into friendships and depression's always been a thing but it's something I've been managing and anxiety's never necessarily been debilitating. So I always thought that I was normal, properly functioning human being 
And because those were the aspects of my life that I focused on and I learned how to tune out all the other white noise, I thought that I was very in control of my actions and very in control of my life and very in control of everything that happened to me. And when I'd see people um, around me and they would have some sort of mental illness, A, I'd be kind of like that person that'd be like, oh, these special snowflakes, blah, 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 blah. You can't blame society for your problems. You need to just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get things done because no one's going to be courteous to you. No one's going to allow you to drag them behind. You need to change to fit the world. The world doesn't need to change to fit you. And I still I still believe that in the sense that, um, you know, People need to work to support themselves, and no matter what your illness is, you do need to try and figure out how to not necessarily contribute to society, but support yourself just for your own sake, because we we aren't in a complete, where most countries, especially Western countries, aren't completely um, communist or socialist, and they, they aren't going to take care of you, and because of that, you can work towards trying to change it, and trying to change benefits for the mentally ill and people with poor mental health but as it is you still need to work to support yourself and things like that so in in parts i do believe in what i thought of when i was younger and um when i was more ignorant to the sense that like just because you have this thing everyone has a thing and you do need to learn how to manage it you do need to learn how to function to the best of your ability with this thing. However, I'm a lot more f forgiving and I'm a lot less cut and dry as in you have depression, that's unfortunate, you got to figure it out. You have this, that's unfortunate, you got to figure it out. And someone that I was really specific with this was a friend that I'm not friends with anymore and she has anxiety and very bad, not necessarily social anxiety, but like performance anxiety and like presentation anxiety, especially when we were in high school. And I remember being in my grade 9 class with her. We had French together, and we had this French presentation. And she was sobbing in the middle of class. She was red-faced. She was shaking because the teacher was forcing her to do her ISU presentation in front of the class because it was an ISU, and he was saying, listen, I've let you do every presentation in front of me only, but this is like 50% of your grade, it was 15 or 20% or whatever, and you need to be able to do it in front of the class. And she was freaking out. And I remember looking at her and saying, you need to figure this out because when you go into the workforce, your boss isn't going to just let you cry until you don't get things done. If you need to present, you need to present. If you need to perform, you need to perform. And it was really insensitive and she didn't need it at the time. Um, but those were things that I would say to people, and that was a really distinct moment that I remember that she was crying, and I was like, girl, you need to figure it out, because you need to get this done, or you're going to fail, and I had no sympathy for her whatsoever, because I don't have that kind of anxiety, so I didn't get it. Not getting it came back to bite me in the butt. Um, it, it really did. Um... At that moment, you know, she was like, yeah, I know, like, I need to figure it out, but I just can't stop. I can't stop. Like, I feel so tense. And I looked at her and I was just kind of like, what do you mean you can't stop? You've been presenting for the last however many years. Like, just go up there. No one cares. Half the class is gone. Everyone's on their phone. Say five minutes of words and sit down. Like, get it done. Because I have never felt anxious when doing presentations. I'm great at presentations. I love doing presentations. I love hearing the sound of my own voice, hence why I'm doing a podcast. Um, I love being center of attention. I love being the know-it-all. So I didn't understand what it would be like to be so 
irrationally afraid of a presentation because if you can think of it from anyone else's perspective, people don't necessarily like doing it and they do get nervous. But, um, you know, for the most part, half your class isn't paying attention. No one really cares. The teacher's actually droning out as well once they get five presentations in for the period or whatever. Um, but for her, it was like her anxiety was through the roof. You know, it was as if someone was threatening to murder her if she didn't get 100% on this presentation. She was sweating, crying, shaking, everything. And my attitude came to bite me in the butt when I was going through my breakup and that is something that would trigger my BPD tendencies and it did. Oh, it did. I went off the wall and there was a moment when amongst a lot of other things I did, I would not stop texting this person. I would not stop messaging this person. I didn't want them to stop text talking to me because I, I didn't want to lose them and I didn't want to feel lose the happiness that I felt when I was with them and I was at a, a manic high and I, I just I needed them in my life. I didn't want them to leave me. I didn't want to have failed yet another relationship. So I text them. I was pleading with them. I was bargaining with them. I was using references. I was using quotes. I was trying to sympathize with them. I was trying to manipulate them. I was trying to do everything I could just to keep them talking to me and the same friend four years later at the time messages me and they were like this isn't funny anymore like you need to stop bothering this person um you need to move on uh you guys broke up like you got to deal with it and I couldn't and I couldn't explain why I couldn't because I hadn't been diagnosed yet and I didn't understand why, you know, people go through breakups all the time. And I was freaking out. We weren't even together for a full two months. And there was one text that she sent me and it really hurt. And she's just like, just stop. Just stop texting. Like, why are you being so crazy? Stop texting them. And, it, and the way I felt, I'm sure that's how she felt four years earlier when she was crying and she was freaking out and we were in class and I was her closest friend in that class and she was my closest friend for this situation. I was her closest friend in that class and I looked at her instead of saying, what can I do to help you? What can I do to make this better? I looked at her and I said, you need to figure this out. You need to pull yourself together because no one's going to have sympathy for you and no one's going to lower themselves or lose money or change the way they do their business practices because you have a mental illness. Hi, Blue. My dog's walking in, so you might hear him. Um, and I felt so shitty because she was right. Why couldn't I just stop? Why was I acting so erratically to a situation that I knew was going to happen? I was even, like, it wasn't like the breakup came out of left field. There were so many things going on, but I knew it was going to happen, and I accepted that it happened, but then the feelings ramped up, and I started just texting and messaging and being so extra and that's what she was doing back when we had that presentation so that's kind of like how life came full circle and in that moment I could really empathize with her and I could really empathize with other people who are always asked why are you always so sad why do you want to kill yourself why are you always so depressed and you sometimes you don't have an answer and sometimes you don't know and it's like I don't know why I can't just stop I just can't and it sucks so much. I want to end that story by telling you guys what I think makes a poor ally. And the first thing I think makes a poor ally is not empathizing with 
whomever is having a panic attack or depressive episode or manic episode or um, a psychotic break or depersonal, whatever it is that they go through, it's not it's not even that you're not empathizing it's that you're not even trying to empathize because in that moment in grade nine and previous to the moment where she texted me and she was like just stop every time i'd meet someone and they had some sort of mental illness or mental health issue and they would act out because of it or they'd act adversely because of it i and they tell me why even if i didn't say anything about it i wouldn't even make the attempt to try and put myself in their shoes i would just say Everyone's a normal, normal functioning human being and it's up to you in your willpower to change the way you act and to act better, which is partly why my relationship ended and why I was in such a bad place before my diagnoses because I didn't understand why I was acting the way I was and because of my viewpoint in my head, um, I was trying to force myself to be something I wasn't, um, which I, I just, I can't have normal functioning relationships in the state that I am now. I might be able to learn coping mechanisms, but right now I just, I react radically. I overthink things. I jump to conclusions. I get angry and then I apologize. Then I get angry and then I apologize. It's very chaotic. It's very stressful. Um, and back when I was in my relationship, I thought like if I just tried hard enough, if I just, you know, I second guessed everything that I said before I said it and made sure I was saying the right things, you know, I would be able to just through sheer willpower not be such a difficult person. And now I learned that, you know, willpower, it, there's there's something to be said for active thoughts, but it's it's you also just need to acknowledge what you are. And I needed to acknowledge that I do have a mental illness problem and it's not that I'm a regular person who just chooses to be erratic. I'm a regular person who has impulses that make me act erratic sometimes because if I don't act on them, I feel like I am dying. So, and it was that mentality and that unwillingness to empathize, actually, that ruined, that led to me seeking help and getting help and getting diagnosed later on in life and led to me going through certain situations that didn't even need to happen if I had a better insight on myself. But I didn't, and those situations did happen, and they taught me, and I did eventually seek help. But so much pain could have been avoided had I changed my thinking and had been more sympathetic so number one is definitely be more sympathetic number two is if you can't bear to be more sympathetic just say nothing at all if you can't say anything nice say nothing at all and especially if someone's in the middle of having a panic attack if you're just sitting down and having a regular conversation with someone that you know has a mental illness sure ask questions be inquisitive say honestly like you know why do you feel suicide all the time like why do you want to end your life because i don't get it and ask from a point of education if someone is coming to you and they're calling you and they're crying and they're sobbing and they're depressed and they're suicidal and they're in a terrible state and they're not coherent the worst thing you can say is oh why don't you just love your life you know why don't you just not want to kill yourself because that's not an option for them and aside from the fact that it's not an option for them when they're at their best they're obviously not functioning well and those kinds of comments aren't going to do anything to help um, and if you and sometimes it's better to just not say anything if you don't know how to say something constructive and if it's a situation where someone's really suicidal really dire and not saying anything won't help and saying something won't help because you know you're not going to say the right thing get a third party call the police call a parent call a therapist call someone who can help this friend um, Sometimes it's just knowing when to listen 
And being a good ally doesn't mean trying to fix all of your friends because you can't fix other people and you can't help people who don't want to be helped. And the worst thing you can do is take on their problems and make yourself crazy trying to fix your friends. It will not work. This is just part two of what not to do. Um, yeah, if you don't know what to say, find someone who does know what to say. But try not to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, and what I mean is just if you're not going to have an outpouring of support and an outpouring of um, compassion when someone is definitely having an episode, just transfer them to someone who can help. And then if they're, when they're functioning and when they're back in the rightest mind that they can have, that's when you can have those hard-hitting questions of why can't you just stop shaking? Um, you know, when you need to have a presentation or when you're in a social situation, but when they're in the middle of those feelings, it's not helpful to badger them and make them feel less normal for having these feelings because people with mental illnesses and people who act out because of their mental illnesses in whatever ways know that they're acting out and they know that they're not having the normal reaction and sometimes it makes it worse because not only are you feeling anxious or depressed or whatever because of the situation that you're in but then you start to beat yourself up because you're not reacting normally and then it makes that reaction worse and it's just a terrible cycle so you don't need to feed into that. What not to do is to out people when they don't want to be outed. Um, so if you're in conversation, don't tell other people about someone's mental illness even if that person is open themselves um, because it's their story and it's their truth. Someone can tell a thousand people that they're depressed and that they're clinically depressed and that they're suicidal. And you know what? It might be their personal goal to tell a thousand people. And it might not seem like anything to you for a thousand and one people to know. But for them, that might be debilitating. And they don't want a thousand and one people to know. They just want a thousand people to know. And that's okay. Don't out people. Um, be a good ally or don't be an ally at all. And what I mean by this is there are, I have friends who have completely differing opinions as I do. And we don't hang out very often um, because we tend to just fight all the time uh, because we see the world differently. But we're still friends in some respect. So you might be someone who thinks 100% everyone's in control of all of their actions and their emotions and happiness is a choice and you just need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and figure it out and make your own happiness and make your own place in the world and no one should support you and mental health services should not be free because it's your mind and your mind is yourself and you can change it and whatever. Those can be your opinions. Don't fake being an ally because you want to keep a friend or because you want to manipulate someone or whatever. You know what? Let your opinions be known and then let that person decide how much they want to hang out with you or how much they want to divulge to you. And don't be someone who acts like you're an ally and acts like you're a friend and acts like you're a safe space for someone who feels anxious or depressed or has obsessive compulsive or whatever. Um, don't act like a safe space for them to come to, invent to, and then turn around and spread all of their secrets and all of their business to other people to humiliate to humiliate them or to mock them or um you know don't use them as like a freak show or a guinea pig to poke and prod at will because it just makes people feel worse um with that being said as well 
being a good ally, for example, if you're a journalist or you're an influencer, you have some sort of a voice. Being a good ally is saying, hey, I know you have this disorder or you have this you have depression, you have anxiety, whatever. Would you like to come on my show? Can I write an article about you? What should I include to teach people about how you are? And that's what you should say. What you shouldn't do is get close to someone who's mentally ill, manipulate them into trusting you, um, have them tell you a bunch of things, and then go around and write an expose that's, that's very specific about them because you want specific, anecdotal, authentic evidence. Because not only are you airing someone's dirty laundry, but you you were basically... It's the equivalent of going around in the LGBT community, befriending someone, having someone who's trans or demi or bisexual or whatever trust you, and then you go and air their specific dirty laundry on a media outlet. You know, you're outing someone. Don't do that. I've told you all of the things not to do. I'm going to tell you all the things to do um, to... Be a great ally, and I know you just heard my, also my face isn't even facing the microphone, so hopefully you can still hear me. I know you just heard my text tone, I'm sorry I should turn that off, um, but now I'm going to tell you all the things to do to be a good ally. Be supportive when someone's having a breakdown. Even if you don't understand, even if you don't believe it's as real as, you know, or it's as debilitating as they're making it seem, just be supportive be a shoulder to cry on, be an ear to listen to, save controversial debates for when someone seems like they're at their most stable. Um, do check in on your friends. And I'm not saying you need to be their nurse, I'm not saying you need to be their mother, um, but if there's ever a point, especially, do this whether someone's mentally ill or not, but especially if you know they have a mental illness. If there's ever a point where someone tweets something or texts something or says something to you, and you just have the the fleeting thought of, should I ask them if they're okay? You know, people don't do that all the time because they don't want to seem nagging and they don't want to seem invasive. But if someone has a mental illness, unless they say, literally, I have avoidant personality disorder or something like that, and I, I have trouble with connection already, just don't smother me, then that makes sense. But if, they, if they're suicidal or they're anxious or whatever, or just anything else, and they don't give you a disclaimer, more so with mental health, help people with mental issues health issues than anyone else but with any friend ask if they're okay if you think they may not be okay um furthermore excuse me ask questions about like in the appropriate setting don't at dinner with a bunch of 50 people say hey you know your depression do you feel like you want to kill yourself today no but if you're hanging out you're getting coffee you're at dinner and you're like hey can you explain this anxiety thing to me explain to me how you feel um how you feel when you say you're numb and depressed and you want to die um what do you mean like you you can't stand it when things aren't color coordinated ask questions if you're really invested, research on your own time, you know? Um, you know, ask people, what kind of BPD sub, what kind of borderline subtype are you? Um, learn about them. Better educate yourself on their issues so that you can better react to them, especially not when they're good, because when, when people with mental health issues are functioning, they're functioning like any other person. You're just learning how to navigate another person, which is what you need to learn to do when you have friends. But the difference is when people with mental health issues are having episodes, they have heightened or 
underperforming emotions to situations where regular people would have moderate emotions to, or um, they're having impulse control issues and adverse reactions to typical situations, and they seem to be acting, they seem to be acting either over-exaggerated or under-exaggerated compared to how the situation's going. So for example, if someone's died, they might feel completely emotionless and numb and cut off compared to people who are visibly grieving. Or, for example, again, if someone's broken up with them and it's not even been a long relationship where they've lost a friend, most people kind of, they feel sad but they move on, um, people with certain mental illnesses might become obsessive and they might start to text people and they might start to manipulate and they might start to follow people around and show up at houses and call random numbers because they they don't want to let go of that person um and if you understand where those actions are coming from it's easier to sympathize and it's easier to give people help rather than just saying oh you're a mess i don't want to be your friend anymore because i think you're unstable um and that's probably one of the worst things you can call someone with a mental health issue unstable, even if they are, because they know they are and they're trying their best. Um, with that in mind, da 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 da, educate yourself. Try and educate others. Maybe not use that friend's illness as an example. You don't want to out them. But if you hear people making derogatory jokes or saying ignorant things, you know, just kind of gently prod and say, hey, she's not trying. Like, people like this. Don't do this because they want to. They do it because it's an Im impulse and they can't control it. And we need to cut them some slack. It's about understanding. You need to understand your friend. You need to empathize with your friend. And it's about education and trying to educate others. And even if you don't want to be that person who badgers others, don't be involved in the offensive talk or the offensive words. And those are ways to be a good ally, you know, ways to be helpful. So thanks for listening to my video on how to be a good ally. Um, I'm going to ask you my question, but of course before I ask the question, I need to have my little spiel. Answer any of my questions or um, just reach out to me on any of my social medias. You can read DM me or at my Twitter, at Purse Borderline on Twitter. That's my ad, so at P-E-R-S Borderline. Um, again, if you want to make any comments on any videos, don't put the title of video because of character count limits, but try and just make it obvious what you're talking about, or if you just want to make a general statement, then make that general statement, and I'll just put in a random just response audio or whatever. Um, if you want to anonymously reach me, I still have my Tumblr up. I don't use it anymore, but it's www.personallyborderline.tumblr.com. If you click on the Ask section on my links, um, you can just press like submit anonymously if you already have a Tumblr account or if you don't it'll automatically be anonymous and you can reach me that way and I won't know who you are and you can just make a comment or a question or whatever and um oh that's my dog please get anchor please 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 support the creators of this app and the creators of this platform if you want to remain anonymous use a random throwaway email and a random um just username and call into my account um or if you already have a podcast call into my account from your podcast um, and say what you got to say. Um, if you do that off of Anchor, you'll have some special perks. I will shout out you on that day. Even if I don't upload the video on that day, whatever day you call in, I will shout out you um, in my segments. And I will call into your podcast account and I will, um, what will I do? I will send you a personalized call in as well. And thank you for calling in and um, whatnot. Um, also, if you just want to ask me a personal question, not something that has to do with mental health or one of my, you know, um, 
my audios but if you just want to ask me a personal question what's your favorite color when's your birthday xyz hashtag ask purse hashtag e-a-s-k-p-e-r-s um and ask me about myself and i'll answer it in a fun friday <laughs> with that um with no further ado my question is if you well not if you have a mental mental health issue but what do you think makes a good ally and what are ideas that you could tell people for being a good ally and also have you ever been a bad ally um what have you done that made you a bad ally and what and what did you learn from that situation and what did you take from it to be a better ally so tell me what it is that you think makes a good ally or and or tell me a situation where you were a bad ally what happened what did you learn from that situation